fellow travellers and welcome to podcast 148 in our series, You Should Have Been There, with me, Simon Calder. And me, Mick Webb. And this week, we're delighted to welcome Claudia Gualdi of Riskline, who will be talking about a subject that two vintage males like us are not particularly well qualified to pass opinions on, let alone give top tips about. And that is safety for solo women travellers. But Claudia is going to do just that in a bit. Uh, Welcome, Claudia. Whereabouts in the world are you talking to us from? I'm in Athens, Greece, and today is uh, around 20 degrees. It's a beautiful day, blue sky and sun, beautiful Sunday. Sounds idyllic. Um, Would you excuse us just for a couple of minutes while we address, Claudia, some listeners' reactions to recent podcasts? David Hill responded to our call for additions to the Costly Travel Errors program number 147 with the following tweeted confession. Costly errors while traveling, taking a water taxi in Venice. I was billed in lira, which made it sound even worse. <laughs> well, I think that does date, David, doesn't it? But um, this does seem a good moment for me to update my own sad story about uh, clicking while distracted on the wrong website, the online agency eSky instead of the well-known airline Ryanair. And um, instead of getting two tickets to uh, travel to northern Spain, I ended up with four tickets for two people on the same flight. And I think you told me, Simon, that the odds on my getting a refund from eSky were equivalent to a snowball's chance in hell, or words to that effect. Uh, Yes, eSky, based in Poland, well beyond the reach of the British now that we've uh, left the EU, and therefore we've also left the European small claims procedure. Well, despite that, I am delighted to say that after a, should we call it a spirited email exchange, eSky have admitted that they also made an error in the booking and have refunded most of my money. Well, it's not in my account yet, but I've got to say thank you, (laughs) eSky. And uh, for what it's worth, if uh, you do make a mistake, like this, take photos of everything and note down names and words used during phone calls. I gather that contemporaneous notes are worth their weight in legal gold. And I discovered during my minor dispute that Ryanair actually have a department which deals with double bookings. Ah. Well, look, talking of double bookings, I've got a small confession for my trip to Paris. Um, I, of course, called on the excellent man in seat 61, friend of our podcast, Mark Smith. Um, and I, he's got a very good section on hotels near Gare du Nord, which, of course, is many Eurostar travellers top need. And I thought, well, the Hotel Des Arts looks absolutely great. So I uh, tried to book direct and they it wasn't going through. And I looked on uh, booking.com and it was all fine and I booked two nights. I thought that's a fantastically good deal. Of course, what happened was that I turned up. It was I, at the uh, Hotel Des Arts that Mark recommended. Absolutely lovely place. Um, I said, oh, I've come to check in. And the man behind the counter said, Monsieur, you haven't. We're completely full. Let's have a look. Oh, yes, you've booked the other Hotel Des Arts, which, suffice to say, was so awful. This was midnight, so I had no choice but to stay there. In the morning, I um, 
left. I said, this hotel is too dangerous to stay in. Um, you need to fix the light. Oh. Otherwise, people are going to fall downstairs. It would be disastrous. Also, there's wires poking out of the wall in my room. It is not safe. Please um, uh, p- please uh, correct it. I then called booking.com and I said, this is an absolute mess. And they just kept saying, you're not having a refund. You're not having a refund. I said, I'm not ha- after a refund. I just want you to know that this is a dangerous hotel. Um, anyway, Claudia, I'm sure that you, unlike us, have never made a single costly travel error during your uh, journeying and holidaying, have you? No, you say it right. I am uh, obsessed with the organization before departure. So, <laughs> yeah, I usually try to have everything well settled. Oh, I wish we could say the same about ourselves. But uh, I found it interesting that one of the most shared tweets uh, about our recent podcasts was one you sent last week, Simon, and which featured a uh, photo of a very well-swaddled baby and his very cheerful parents putting a brave face on being on a wintry English beach. Adam Wakefield was among quite a few people to like it. I'm sure you remember what you wrote, Simon. The latest You Should Have Been There podcast was partly recorded via a live link from an A350. That's an aircraft, of course, 37,000 feet over the mid-Atlantic. But you tell us more about costly errors you've made when traveling and experiences of traveling with the very young children. Yes, I was um, interested to know that it would actually work, this. So um, planes these days have Wi-Fi, but generally the idea that you can actually get the sort of speed that you need to do a effective live streaming, um, I thought was a little far-fetched. However, um, the uh, Virgin Atlantic team said it was going to work, and so it proved. Um, and I even did, a uh, little later on while flying over Philadelphia, a live television interview, uh, which was um, uh, a first for me and um, quite a surprise to everybody watching as well. Uh, really extraordinary what you can achieve these connected days. But at the risk of uh, of pouring a bit of cold water on this, um, here at uh, You Should Have Been There, or YSHBT, as we would say if uh, we were at the BBC, uh, we are as obsessively committed to impartiality as the BBC is. And so we have to broadcast the other side of this story. Joe King tweeted, A live link? OMG, No. People making phone calls on speaker from an airliner, nightmare. Flying is painful enough these days without this. Well, I absolutely take your point. And had I just been sitting in the middle of a row of seats yelling at the top of my voice, I would absolutely have to agree. But in fact, the very helpful crew found me a location known as The Loft, um, which is a little bit of actually upper class, which obviously I wouldn't be allowed in normally. And um, I was able to uh, to broadcast from there. But uh, it does, yes, it raises a whole lot of problems. So the last thing you want is a whole load of um, uh, people doing their podcasts and whatever um, uh, on a plane when everyone else is trying to sleep. Anyway, Claudia, forgive us enough about us. Time to talk about you and thank you for your patience. I think we should start by asking... So I've got a very loud um, siren. That's... Well, and you're lucky that there's not this alarm in front of my oh, house. No. It's been ringing for like the past two weeks in the weekends only. Oh, it was no. starting on Friday night and ending at 5 a.m. on Sunday. 
because there's this uh, WWF office and apparently they set the alarm in a, in a weird way. <laughs> it's supposed to work only in the weekend when someone wants to sleep. Oh, no. Yeah. I think we should start by asking about your job at RiskLine, um, whose title is Travel Intelligence Data Team Lead. How do you get a job like that? And what exactly do you do? So at RiskLine, we provide accurate and real-time travel risk intelligence. So basically everything that can affect your safety and your plans during a trip. Our assessments come from a mix of artificial intelligence alongside a team of expert analysts who research more than 220 countries and territories around the world and more than 260 cities. We are in the market since 16 years and we provide unique insights. So we're more like 30 people based in 15 different countries, split into 11 different time zones. So you can imagine us as a you know, human chain working nonstop every day, delivering up-to-date data 24 hours per day. Um, imagine you travel tomorrow to Thailand. You'd probably want to know that uh, there is a warning for thunderstorms these days. So traveling to several areas might be. Is it mainly for businesses or is it also for uh, uh, you know independent travelers? Because uh, I've had a look and it is actually an extremely neat. It uh, it tells you if you put in the name of a country um, what the uh, level of uh, risk or danger is in that country and sort of breaks it down into various categories like um, uh, you know risk of uh, terrorism um, risks posed by transport risks to health uh, political risks etc etc and crime of course um just just to try it out i looked up three neighboring central american countries that i know and um, costa rica got uh, two out of five uh, that's uh, good because the higher it is the worse it is although the health wasn't great there honduras got four out of five and given the amount of uh, drug related violence there i'm not surprised el salvador got four out of five and of course poor old ukraine um, i was just testing the system here came out with five out of five so um is it um, is it something that uh, any old traveler can use uh, claudia no, actually, RiskLine is available only for B2B. So we sell mainly to travel insurance, security and assistance companies. But you said it right. So our reports are very quick and neat and they include guidance on how to enter a destination from visa to other requirements like COVID testing or any other document related uh, requirement and in addition we provide uh, real-time information about the security in the country as well as health threats in the country so we monitor a variety of you know global events elections conflicts diseases whatever can develop over time into a risk for our travelers when you're not assessing travel risks where do you like to go personally and uh, yes you made it very clear that you assess your own risks very carefully i always try to combine as much as possible travel and work you know i often organize blazer trips so working remotely allows me to work from everywhere so it's nice to just book a flight or uh, go abroad for a couple of days, sit in a random cafe working and changing the perspective of my work. That sounds intriguing. Where was the last place you went to change the perspective of your work? And I bet we, we all wish we could do that. Well, I've just been to Italy for a couple of days 
and uh, next week I'm hopefully flying to Paris if the uh, national strike that has been announced is not going to stop my flight. <laughs> well, separately from your job at Riskline, um, I know, Claudia, that um, you're very interested in a recent uh, traveller survey um, the solo traveller survey, which has come up with lots of um, intriguing um, results and data. Um, I'm not surprisingly that solo single travel is on the increase, but particularly amongst women, I gather. Yeah, you said it right. One in two travellers are considering escaping solo in 2023, and 73% of travel agents say that women are more likely to travel alone than men. And data show also an increase in solo travel as an effect of the pandemic, which I think is very interesting to analyze because it's one of the many effects, you know, of social distancing. This has made solo travel more appealing yeah. for us after months of lockdown. I think people are willing to travel alone because they think it's a positive way to overcome the discomforts related to the era of strict lockdowns. And um, I think in general, anyway, there's, a huge gap between how much women have traveled in the past and what has been recorded from these journeys, you know. And uh, there is also a gender discrepancy very apparent when we talk about traveling for business purposes, as in other sectors. So one about percent of women traveling for business purposes actually mm -hmm. own a business, while only 15% of male business travelers are also business owners. So I think these are, uh, yeah, relevant data to keep yeah. in mind. Can I ask, um, where do solo female travellers go and what sort of activities do they um, want to do? Well, solo travel encourages confidence and introspective. Uh, so it's a way to place ourselves out of our comfort zone, you know, as women we are constantly exposed to news and statistics that remind us how the path to gender equality is far from being realized. So I think that travel contributes to personal development in many ways. And many women travel also because they seek independence and freedom. Others travel alone because they just don't want to wait for others to do so. Just they don't like to do so with friends or partners. And others because they want to meet new people and they find in travel... Uh, easier way to you know to do networking with other individuals yeah. and women are primarily traveling to europe australia new zealand and central america most of western europe and the caribbean are considered as the safest areas for female solo travelers especially if they experience their first solo trip i imagine sadly that the main threats and dangers to women are posed by us men. I mean, there's only last week, actually, in the uh, UK, I don't know if you saw it, Claudia, there was a poll following on from a report about um, uh, some terrible goings on in the uh, Metropolitan Police in London. Um, uh, and the poll came up with the finding that 58% of women were afraid to um, walk alone at night. Uh, and that's in the UK, which... Um, uh, is generally uh, considered to be quite a safe country, I think. Yeah, to be honest, uh, I haven't been facing particularly threatening situation while traveling. I think personal safety for women doesn't have to do with travel itself to a place or another. It's uh, 
something that we like personal unsafety is something that we can easily experience even in the city where we used to live uh yeah um well i'm i'm i suppose i'm really interested in what advice you would give to somebody who's listening who's a, a, a female traveler who hasn't traveled solo um and is understandably concerned about the wide range of risks that are out there well every destination has some risk of course some risk can be prevented or limited with a good level of awareness and preparation prior to the departure but beyond that, our character and viewpoint sometimes lead us to perceive risks that for other, for other people doesn't exist, especially when traveling. Uh, I'd suggest to female approaching uh, solo travel for the first time to learn about where they go and uh, spend some time you know, to do research, to read about the country they're going to visit and at the same time, it's very uh, recommendable to trust their instinct and enjoy yeah. the unexpected because travel is also about having fun and enjoying unplanned situations. Uh, personally, I find language gap very stressful when I travel. So for instance, this is not like uh, a risk that applies to all travelers, but I feel nervous when I travel somewhere I can't communicate in any language that I know. So, for instance, identifying in advance your discomforts can help you to prevent them when you travel somewhere. And when it comes to personal safety, there are, you know, uh, there, there are plenty of technologies, features enhancing one's safety while traveling. I personally used to share my locations via yeah. WhatsApp or when I uh, get a ride via Uber. So... Uh, I feel safer, you know, to share my locations with friends or family if I am somewhere where I feel uh, in danger. And in general, I think that also showing self-confidence, especially when walking alone in uncrowded or poorly lit areas is also a recommendable behavior as trying to blend with the locals and, uh, you know, avoiding oversharing with strangers. I wonder, Claudia, are there rewards that solo female travellers get to experience that maybe solo male travellers don't? Mm, that's an interesting question. Uh, but uh, but personally, I mean, personally, I experience if you're talking about like how male uh, travellers to see or consider female travellers, um, I experienced some people's comment, you know, about solo travel, as well as like solo living. And it's uh, often seen as a way to express a discomfort in sharing time or adventures with other people. But I believe the reality is much different because uh, solo travel can, um, can be very satisfying and it's, it's just a way to, you know... Um, it has a lot to do with uh, also self-confidence and self-awareness. Yeah, I, 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 I can understand that. And um, in, a, in a couple of weeks, I'm actually going to go on a solo trip. Um, I'm going to uh, walk a little bit of the Camino de Santiago in um, northern oh, wow. Spain. And uh, I'm going to do it on my own. And I realize that I don't normally do my um, adventures on my own. So it will be very interesting to see whether I get more out of it than, uh, say, when I go walking in the Pyrenean mountains with Simon. Um, so sorry, Simon, you might actually find yourself relegated here. 
Well, I, I think we can all learn. I, I um, certainly when I travel on my own, which I do quite a lot, but you're just much more open to experiences and uh, meeting new people. Does that apply equally to women, Claudia? You know, from your experience, you know, as a f- female uh, solo traveller, do you, do you think that you're viewed differently from male counterparts? Yeah, personally, uh, I experienced some people's comment about uh, traveling solo uh, as well as living solo. And it's seen sometimes as a way to express a discomfort in, you know, sharing your time or adventures with other people. While I believe the reality is much different. It's about the opposite. It's about being um, very open-minded and finding satisfaction in being alone. And... uh, it's also it has a lot to do with also self love and self confidence, but uh, other people uh, think that you know female solo travelers are um, very brilliant and adventurous and uh, brave somehow because uh, for sure traveling as a woman requires also more caution and especially in some countries where local custom and uh, habits set some boundaries for women. There are some circumstances where you need to take extra cautions. Well, Claudia, thank you very much indeed for your thoughts. And of course, we're very keen to hear from solo female travellers or indeed solo male travellers. You can, of course, tweet us at you should have BT or leave us an audio message at anchor.fm forward slash you should have been there. But just before we let you go, Claudia, can you tell us, in your opinion, the safest places to travel as a woman in 2023. So whether you're an experienced female solo traveler or you're booking your very first trip, you'll find the destinations like Spain, Singapore, Ireland, Austria, Switzerland, Norway. Let's say most of the Western Europe and the Caribbean are considered safest destinations as well as China, New Zealand, Australia uh, and some Asian countries. Uh, Outside these regions, yet it's generally considered safe to travel uh, as long as you, you know, predict your risks before departure and uh, some destination might require you to organize um, guided or group trips for, um, for safety reasons. And I'd like to add that uh, women's overall expenses for travel are higher than men, especially between 25 and 39 years of age. So um, female solo travel also engages a massive audience on the internet these days uh, through backpackers' travel journeys, blogs on YouTube, social media posts and blogs, Pinterest. These social networks are, are a unique shopping window, you know. And in fact, 8% of millennials purchase a product or service after reading about it on a blog, especially within 18 and 34 age range. So this makes uh, the internet a primary decision-making factors also when booking a solo trip. And then, yeah, I'd certainly recommend a couple of apps or just, you know, tips while traveling okay well we'll um we'll, we'll uh, write those down um in the uh, introduction to the podcast so people can uh, see them and uh, click on them if they want um but i think uh, 
for now. That's um, about enough for today. Thank you so much, Claudia. That It's been really, uh, really great talking to you. Thank you. Thank you. It was very nice to attend. And next week, we will be going out of this world. Yes, we will be bringing back our old friend, astronomer Dr. John Mason, to talk all things cosmic, in particular, the Great American Eclipse of 2024. Do get in touch if you've got any questions for John at You Should Have BT on Twitter or leave an audio message anchor.fm forward slash You Should Have Been There. But for now, from me, Simon Calder. And uh, me, Mick Webb. And uh, by the way, the Great American Eclipse sounds extremely political. <laughs> Goodbye. 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 Goodbye.